Three women are sitting by the fire. They are busy knitting. A mother, a widow, and her two daughters, Rona, the younger, and Lannis, the elder. Only two years between them. The mother is knitting stockings, boot stockings, for a young Eriskay fisher lad. And the two girls are intent on knitting a wedding gansey. And as they knit, the girls ask their mother to tell them the stories of the stitches, the combinations of patterns that she discovered on her route around the coast of Scotland when she was younger, when she was a herring lass. For those lassies who travelled up the west coast, up the top of Scotland, over to Stornoway and then down the east coast, all the way to Yarmouth town. Well, if they weren't gutting, if they weren't packing the herring, they were knitting. Oh, this pattern she found in this port, or that combination she spied in another. Each herring lassie would knit her own combinations of patterns, and in Yarmouth Toon at the end of the season there was a great Gansey market. Sure wasn't that where their father had met her, bought her Gansey. The two girls smile at each other. They've heard this story before. The mother looks up, catches them, and they look down at their knitting and busy their fingers. The mother is worried. She has set a task to knit a wedding gansey, but her two daughters are knitting a wedding gansey for one lad. They are both in love with the same boy. Oh, he's always at sea, but when he does pass the island of Barra, he always stops by with a fresh fish. Lannis, the eldest, the fair girl, her fingers fair dance over her wires. The grey gansey she is knitting is starting to pool in her lap. But Rona, the younger, she struggles. Her face is set in concentration. She drops a stitch. Ah! She pulls her wires from the welt and, well, she stabs them into the arm of her chair. Oh, Roner, don't rattle your knitting down. The, the welt is fine enough. It's, it's the initials, mother. Can he do the E or the S? 
Now, just then, the cat springs from the windowsill and starts to play with the inky blue yarn at Rona's feet, getting all tangled. Ah! Rona grabs the cat by the scruff of the neck, pulls the yarn off it, stomps out, opens the cottage door and throws the cat out. She slams the door. She turns and sees her sister, Lannis. Her shoulders are shaking with laughter. Rona stamps up the wooden stairs to the bedroom they share. Oh, Lannis is sorry. She wasn't laughing at Rona. She was laughing at the cat. Kipper, how cute he had looked, all bundled up in the blue yarn. Perhaps she'd have time, having finished that sweater, to knit him a wee one. Ah. Oh. The mother sighs. She picks up Rona's knitting. She rolls the yarn back into a ball of sorts and, taking the wires, she stabs them into the barely worn leather whisk and puts them in Rona's basket, ready for the morning. The next day, Rona wakes early. She slips out of bed and dresses silently. Turns at the door to see her elder sister, oh, starfish in the bed, filling that hollow in the straw mattress that she had just left. And her golden hair is spread out on the pillow like the seaweed on the seashore. Rona leaves the house. Her mother is still snoring in the wee box bed downstairs. She steps out onto the path and she goes into the village to the henwife. It's a misty day but as she reaches the gate of the henwife's house she can see her form bending over feeding the chickens. The old woman stands and peers through the mist. Is that you, Rona? Back so soon? Aye. Come on inside. Rona enters the dark cottage. She sits by the fire in the centre of the floor. The white smoke is snaking around her, trying to find the hole in the roof. Let me see your knitting. Rona gives the henwife the basket. Did the cat get at it? I. Maybe it's the yarn, Rona. Let me see if I have anything that you can use. The old woman goes to a press, opens a drawer and takes a skein of wool. It's dark in that room. Close your eyes and hold out your hands, she orders Rona, and the girl does as she's told, and the henwife hooks the skein around Rona's upright hands and starts to wind a ball of this magic yarn. Let me tell you the story, Rona, of this yarn. It's from Skye, from my three sisters, 
who lived near the Bay of Ravens. Now every autumn they walk down to the beach, they sing, they dance, and they enter the water. And three rams leave the water, red rams, and they follow them up to their house. Where? They service their sheep. Aye, the sheep are topped by those three red rams. And the lambs that are born that spring, well, they have red coats too, just for a year. But from that fleece, that red, red fleece, yarn is spun, yarn is knitted into magical garments. Well, the neighbours, they're good neighbours who help them, respect them. They too are allowed to have their sheep tupped by the red rams. So they too can knit the red gansies. But to the bad neighbours, the ones who call them witches, well, they don't allow their red rams anywhere near their sheep. But the bad neighbours are jealous. They want that red wool. And they've noticed that those red rams, they just wander back to the beach and back into the sea once they've tupped the sheep. They're not held in any way. They're not put in an enclosure. They build a new enclosure far away from the three sisters' house. And they trap those three red rams as they go back down to the sea. And they put their sheep in the enclosure with the rams. And when the witches, when the sisters find out, they are furious. They go back down to the beach. They sing, they dance. And the enclosure, well, the walls crumble. And those three red rams lead all of the sheep belonging to the bad neighbours, back into the sea. And thereafter, there was no more red rams in the Bay of Ravens. But I have a few skeins left. They will do just fine. And then the henwife started to sing. She about the story she's sure she can hear knitting the click of the wires but when she opens her eyes she's outside the house her basket is heavy and through the mist the sun is burning a hole but she can see the henwife's form in the distance feeding her chickens had she dreamt her visit she looks down into her basket and there, there, is an almost complete red gansey. 
the pattern snaking around the basket and the colour. The colour of the red rams from the Bay of Ravens. The colour is blood red. Rona covers her basket with a shawl so the nosy neighbours don't see and she hurries home. She knits in secret at the dead of night, the tune going round and round in her head. And at the end of the week, there on the kitchen table spread out are two beautiful Gansies. Each has a story to tell from the patterns. Lannis's grey Gansey it glimmers in the moonlight while her bands are horizontal. They tell of the sea. The ropes for the boat. The horizontal diamonds are the fishing nets. Up they climb, up the Gansey to the yoke, where in the centre is a starfish flanked by two anchors. Under e underneath each arm there is a diamond with a wee heart in the centre. To ease the movement of the wearer, for these are practical garments, these are workwear, even for a wedding gansey. Three little mother-of-pearl buttons at the neck. The second Gansey, blood red, catches the firelight. The vertical patterns, while they tell another story. A story of life on land. Yes, there are Ladders. There are snakes. There's the tree of life. And there in the centre, the zigzag path with a double border. Well, that's the ups and downs of married life. And her diamond patterns, Rona's diamond patterns, they stand upright the panes of glass in the church window. Which one would their fisher lads choose? There's a chap at the door and the mother bustles the boy in and points to the kitchen table at the two Gansies. The lad hands her a string with some fish and off she goes to Got them. The two girls stand by the fire. They are dressed in their best. Rona steps forward. It's time to choose. The lad is nervous. He, he likes them both, but he has his heart set on one. But which Gansey is which? Rona stands in front of him. She 
indicates for him to raise his arms and she pulls off the salt-stained, faded gansey that his mother had made. She takes the red gansey and pulls it over his head. The muscles on his arms snake through the sleeves. Oh, it's tight. Good to keep the wind off. But the neck is high and he starts to sweat. The lad pulls at it with his fingers. Rona steps back to admire her handiwork. And her sister Lannis steps forward. He puts his hands above his head once again and she pulls that red gansey from him. He blushes as he stands there in his singlet. And then she takes the grey Gansey, and she slips it over his head. Oh, it's a perfect fit. Her fingers are trembling as she buttons the neck. She can swell, smell his sweat. He sighs with relief, and he goes down on one knee. He has chosen the older sister, the fair sister, the grey Gansey. Well, only three fish were eaten that night. Ronar took to her bed. She wept for weeks. And in respect, well, they delayed the wedding until her sister, her heart had healed a little. The lad went off to the fishing. He loved the sea. One morning, when Lannis caught her sister's eye, Rona smiled back. Come with me, sister. Let's walk to the beach like we used to when we were young. They put on their cloaks. The season had turned, but it was still cool. And up they walked to the cliffs. The zigzag path that ran down to the beach. Well, they fair ran down it. And across the beach they ran with their cloaks floating behind them down to the water's edge. It was way, way out. And there on the horizon there was a little dot of a fishing boat. Perhaps it was the fisher lad pulling in his nets. They looked in all the rock pools. And as their shadows grew shorter and the day grew warmer, they, well, they sat. And Rona took out from her cloak a comb. Come, sister, sit in front of me. And let me comb your hair. I have a story for you. And a new song. And Lannis sat, looking out to see Rona behind her, combing her thick golden tresses. And Rona started to sing. She thought, she fa <laughs> 
She could tell the story. Her sister was asleep. She plaited her hair. She plaited it tightly into the seaweed that clung to the rock on which she sat. And then she stood. She left the comb by her sister's side and she started to walk back up the beach. When she reached the cliff, she turned and she could see the tide had reached to the toes of her sister. Still she sang. Still her sister slept. She started to climb the zigzag path. And at each turn of the path, she turned to look at her sister. The water reaching her waist and then her breast and then lapping her chin. And at the top of the cliff, when Rona turned, her sister was gone. She looked onto the horizon. Something was moving, but that wee fishing boat had gone. Instead, there was something moving through the water so fast, sleek, catching the light. A seal, a silver-grey seal. It swam to where she had left her sister. It dived down. And then two seals popped up, their heads, their eyes turned and looked at Rona. And she realised what she had done. I'm sorry, she cried. And she held out her arms under her cloak and the wind took her cloak and lifted her to the air. And she did not fall, no. She flew, she soared down the cliff and landed on a rock and lifted her wings, her cormorant wings, to dry in the sun. She stretched out her long neck and she snapped her sharp beak as the two seals frolicked around her. The selkie and his bride The next morning, a neighbour knocked on their mother's door. He was holding a silver grey gansey, the patterns of which told the story, the story of the sea. She knew the gansey. She knew the three little mother-of-pearl buttons. She knew that she had lost them all. <laughs>